0: For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text drive to 94,000. Hope you enjoy the message. what is up? How's everybody doing? Better than you deserve. I love that answer. You guys almost got to see a really cool video, but not this time. Um, everybody give, let's give Leighton a hand real quick. Everybody give Leighton a big old hand. The best, The best bass player I know. Yeah. And Take John up on that offer. We love musical talent. We want to use you guys and use your talents and see how you can work in ways and God can use you. So take John up on that offer if you have anything, any type of singing ability or musical instruments, or maybe you're not that good and you just want to get up here and be cool, right? So, tonight is, I think this is going to be, I really like this message. I like it a lot. I'm going to do something that. I don't usually do, and I quite frankly I've never done before whenever I've preached or anything. I'm gonna I'm gonna pray over us before this starts. And and reason being is for one, I firmly, firmly, firmly believe in the power of prayer. And I believe that when we ask God to come into this space, whenever we open, we ask God to soften our hearts and open our ears, that it it's changing, it's life-changing, and it really it means something whenever before we get into something, we ask God to speak to us what He wants us to hear. And secondly, I want to is because it it can't be just me. But I think like in this room, even in the last few weeks, like there's just been maybe a lack of like focus on what this is all about and what matters. And like I'm pretty conceited. Like I'm I'm I'm, I'm super conceited. I'll be honest. I like hearing myself talk. Like I really do. I think it's. I'm not one of those people that dislikes it. I think it's fun, and I could just talk here, and nobody could listen, and it wouldn't bother me, but I don't care if you hear what I have to say. I think we need to really, really, really dig in and realize that there's something that God wants us to hear, so let me pray over it, pray over everybody, and then we'll, we'll get into it. I think it's a really, really good message. Lord, I just thank you so much for each and every person in this room. I just... Pray over this room and pray over tonight that Your presence would be here. We invite You into this into this space. Um, we we beg for You to be here, and we just ask that You soften our hearts and You open our ears to Your Word and to what You have to say. Um, don't let anyone walk out of this room without feeling like they heard something from You tonight, Lord. And I just pray that all in Your name, Amen. All right, so we are we're moving into week three of this Do Something series, Um, I really like it. We're focusing on injustice, and I think tonight's is an action step. It's something that is going to be maybe transforming to your mind a little bit, change the way you think about things, and I think it's really, really, really important that we get this. But first, um, I was, as writing this message, um, I was thinking about warning labels and other things like that, and how pretty much everything that we buy has like some kind of warning label on it. And I'll be honest, I'm oblivious to it most of the time. I don't pay a lot of attention to warning labels. I'm just kind of the guy that is, yeah, that's cool. I, I think I'm fairly smart. Like, I don't need the warning label for most things, most things. But Sometimes, like, we don't even pay attention to these labels, right? But they're, they're there for a reason. Like, those labels were made for a specific reason. And sometimes they're actually helpful. Like, they, they are a helpful thing. It's not something that's silly or goofy. But then there's a lot of times where you read a warning label on something, and you're kind of like, who is actually, like, doing that? Like, who did that to make them have to create that warning label? Because if they had to put a warning label on it, then clearly something happened, right? Like someone did something, and I'm just guessing, but someone did something stupid, and now we have this warning against it. And here's what I mean. I want to show you a couple ones that I found on the internet that I thought were hilarious. This one says, this is like a washer, and it says, high spin speeds do not put any person in this washer. I think that would, you wouldn't need to say that, but... Clearly you do. Let me see the next one. Here. Caution. Don't eat gum from the urinal. Raise your hand if you've ever eaten gum off a urinal. Really? Nice. Nice. (laughs) That's nice, man. All right, next one. Okay, this one is for an iron. Do not use iron while wearing shirt. I don't get this one, personally. I've... Hand up, I've never ironed anything in my life. I don't even, I wouldn't know how to work one. But I know that you're not going to press it to your shirt when it's on your body. But apparently somebody didn't, so they put the warning label on it. All right, let's see the next one. (laughs) I'm guessing this is at a pool or something. Do not breathe under the water. Um, Yeah, I have nothing to say about that one. That one's just goofy. Let's see the next one. I like this one a lot skiing caution trees the trees don't move so you kind of have to move around them they're going to stay in their place and i think i think there's one more all right danger do not touch not only will this kill you it will hurt the whole time you're dying it was for like an electric fence or something i thought that one was really funny yeah but so as funny as those are and like we see those warning labels I think the funnier idea is thinking about like how it even came about, like why these warning labels even exist in the first place. And since we don't really think about them all that often, it kind of makes me wonder if, if I'm missing something. Like I don't really think about all this stuff that goes on, like what am I missing that people are doing these things? And in this series, it's, this series that we're, this do something series, we're talking about injustice. We're talking about things in our world that aren't right. Things that are unfair, they're unequal. We talked about seeing or having the importance of actually seeing injustice in the world. That's the first step. You have to see it before we can do anything about it. Choosing to get close enough to it, choosing to listen and to learn about something from other people. We've talked about how we don't have to face injustice alone, that God's with us and he's walking with us and we don't have to feel alone in those spots but all of this being said, I, I got to thinking, I keep thinking about injustice, and I feel like it needs to come with a warning label of its own, and like one that's like, like warning, like this is going to make you ask really, really difficult questions. Like It's not something that is, you take lightly, it shouldn't ever be taken lightly, and a lot of times when you really dig into it, it just brings up more and more and more questions. And here's what I mean. Seeing and, and talking about injustice, it, it, it's going to leave us with deep thoughts about who God is, with deep questions about what's going on in the world, both about the injustice itself that's occurring, and then the God who is supposed to be in control of the world where it all happens, right? Maybe you, maybe you see injustice in the world and you wonder things like, Like, why would that person ever say that? Or how could someone do that to somebody else? Or what makes stuff like this even happen? Or why isn't anyone doing something about it? Or maybe you've landed on a really hard question, a really difficult question when it comes to injustice, and you're asking, why isn't God doing something about this? And maybe some of you feel like a little nervous that I even said that, like questioning God, right? I said that out loud. We're not supposed to question God, right? After all, he's God and he can do whatever he wants at the end of the day. Or maybe you're someone in the room who didn't flinch at that. And you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I keep wondering and thinking. Like I've had that same question too. Like maybe you feel feel relieved that someone brought it up. Someone said it out loud. Or maybe questions like these are the very reason that you're still really, really uncertain about all this Jesus stuff, right? You just can't imagine yourself being a Jesus follower if he's not even gonna do something about all the brokenness that you see right around you each and every day. So no matter where you are in the world with that, I'm here to tell you that God is big enough for those deep questions. God can handle those difficult questions, and he doesn't get mad when we have them. All sorts of people who've gone through all sorts of different things have been trying to answer these questions from the very, very beginning of time. We're not the first ones to think of it. But that also begs the question, why do we keep asking? And the truth is, is because it really bothers us. Like this kind of thing bothered us. It just bothers us to the core. We think, how can there, how can it be a good God? How can a good God allow things like human trafficking, prejudice, poverty, racism to happen all around us each and every day and just do nothing? And thankfully. We don't have to wonder or guess or assume where God is in the midst of all this. That's what's so great. It may seem confusing at first, but we actually, we, we get to see in Scripture where God sits with this. We don't have to guess what God's really like or if he really cares or not. Because all you have to do is just look at his son. Just look at Jesus. He's the very best way to see what God is really really like, what God's really about. And there's several people who knew Jesus at the time of his life and his ministry, and they knew him personally, and they actually hung out with him like they were friends. It wasn't just disciples, it was friendships, it was relationships. They took, and they took the time to write down the experiences that they had had with Jesus, the things that they'd saw, they'd heard, so that people down the road would get to Hear these great teachings and could actually know What happened And tonight we're going to look at This eyewitness account from Matthew And it's a book written by One of Jesus' closest friends and, and we call it a book Or we call it the gospel of Matthew You may have heard those before But no matter what you call it Or what you refer to it as I think the important thing to realize here Is what, this, what it really, really is That we're reading Like Matthew is actually a man who hung out with Jesus and knew what he was about. This isn't something random. This is a guy who was with him. It's basically like first class notes of someone who's with Jesus by someone who knew him really, really, really well. So it's important. And I think that's why he took the time to write these things down. Things like this in Matthew 9, verse 35. He writes, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of the area, teaching in synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. So we see here in this writing from Matthew of someone who experienced life with Jesus, we see Jesus teaching, we see him healing and helping people as he also shared the message of what God's kingdom is really like, like what it is really supposed to be like. He's talking about things like the outcast being loved, the slaves being freed, the oppressed being rescued, the hungry being fed. And like, don't don't miss this. Jesus went around preaching about justice all the time. He preached about justice, not just here in this part of the Bible, not just here in this area. Jesus went everywhere, and that was his focus. Jesus had something to say and and he had something to do about people who were being treated unfairly, about injustice, about people who were being treated in a way that wasn't right. And Matthew continues in chapter 9, and he says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus modeled for us What God is is really like. Who God really is, not who we think he is, not who you've been told. Jesus showed us who he really was when it comes to injustice. First, Jesus saw. He saw the injustice, he saw the hurt, he saw the brokenness, the helplessness. And when Jesus saw, Jesus cared. And that's what the real compassion is. So if you've ever wondered if God cares about this stuff, if God actually really cares, know that God is, God is 100% for justice. In fact, thousands of years earlier than Jesus, long before Jesus was in the womb or even thought about being born, he said to the prophet Isaiah, for I, the Lord, love justice. So we know we know that God loves justice now. Like we we get that part, right? We get it. He loves justice. He's for it. But that still doesn't really answer the question that I asked. It doesn't answer the question that we might all have. He cares about it, but why doesn't he do something about the injustices in the world today? Why doesn't he just You know, wave his magic wand, or say whatever he needs to say, do that whole miracle thing that we see in the Bible all the time, right? And just make it all good. And Matthew gives us, he gives us a little bit of a clue in this next verse. This is what Jesus said next. He said to the disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And to you, this may not make a whole lot of sense right now. doesn't necessarily click. But part of it is, is we don't talk about like harvesting every day. Or maybe you do. Maybe you guys are all like secret farmers on the low that I don't know about. I don't know the least about farming. I'm telling you guys, I don't know much of anything. Can't iron. Don't know anything. So I'm pretty useless. But regardless, we don't talk about harvesting much. But... Jesus is talking about, like, work. What he really means is he's talking about work. He lived in a community where farming was a really big deal, so that was an analogy that made sense for them. So he started talking about harvesting. It wasn't weird to them. It just made sense. But what he was getting at is that this type of work, it requires a lot of effort. Jesus saw what was going on, and he had compassion on it. But he also responded by telling them that it was time to actually get to work, to do something. It's one thing to notice, that; it, it's another thing to do something. He's basically saying there is plenty of work to be done, I agree. And there's plenty of room also for people to actually get involved in the work. I'm going to make this maybe maybe really real for you for everyone who keeps, you know, asking what is God doing? Like what what is God doing in the midst of all of this? So I ask, what if what if he does have a plan for all the injustice? What if what if we are that plan? What if the miracle that Jesus had in mind isn't making injustice just magically go away, but maybe instead it's you and me doing the work to end injustice on his behalf? What if it's us responding to all the things that we know he cares about? What if the plan is us becoming more like him? And I believe this is really possible, and here's why. Because I look at the Apostle Paul, whose life was changed by Jesus, he wrote a lot of letters to early churches. He's very prolific in the Bible. He taught them, but he taught people what it looks like to be a real Christian, like what it actually means to be a real Christian. And he used this, this kind of word picture to describe the church, like the big C church, not just Cornerstone Church, but just the Christian community, the, the big C church. He says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So Paul uses this illustration of, of like, one whole body and how it's made up of all these individual parts. And even though, it, you know, it seems silly to think about, like, the the ear being related to the toe or, like, it doesn't matter if your ear doesn't work, like, it's not going to affect your big toe, right? Like, the doesn't necessarily make sense, but what he means is that the whole body relies on each individual part to be a fully functioning body, to be fully healthy, and to be the way that it was actually designed to be, in the same way that God desi- designed the body of Christ and designed the church, designed us, designed what we were supposed to be like, to work together. And to help each other out. So, when we talk about injustice, it's not that God isn't there or it's not that God doesn't care. Instead, is, instead God is, He's calling us. God's calling the church, He's calling His people to be the hands and feet on earth. And in other words, God, God is doing something about injustice. Think about it, God God is doing something about racial injustice through us. God is doing something about violence toward women, and the plan is us. God is doing something about sex trafficking, about hunger, about poverty, modern-day slavery, you name it. All the injustices that we see on a local and a global level, we actually get to be a part of. Of fixing that. And the real question here. Is will you. Will you participate in what God is already doing. What he's already started. And then if the answer is yes to that question. Then where do we even begin. Like where do we start in this process. I think here are a couple steps. You know to help us begin. To get on the right track. And the first step is to completely rethink what we think about injustice. So in other words, to change our minds and see it the way, like change our minds about the way we see God, the world, even ourselves when it comes to injustice. Maybe, it, maybe it's time for us to rethink like what it actually means to be a follower of Jesus. Like maybe you thought, Like this whole faith thing was just about singing songs and and showing up at church and praying. Like those things are good. They really are. None of them are wrong. But to actually follow Jesus is so, so much bigger than just a song. Following means that you start to see the world like he does. You care about what he cares about. You treat people the way that he would want you to treat them. Then you can begin to do something about the brokenness in this world because you know that's what Jesus wants. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. Maybe it's time for us to rethink how God sees people, how God sees everyone around us. Maybe you thought that God didn't care about, you know, certain people There's some people that God just kind of has a blind spot to, right? And you might not ever say it just like that or say it out loud, but sometimes it's tempting to assume that God doesn't like certain people as much as he likes others, that somehow good things happen to people because God likes them more. He's showing favor on them, and bad or unjust things happen to people because he just likes them less. He doesn't care. And I I want us to ask God to, to help us to rethink that. Jesus makes it so clear that God loves all people, everyone. And he cares about the hurt and the injustice that they face each and every day. Or maybe it's time for us to rethink our responsibility in all of this. Maybe you thought that responding to injustice wasn't exactly like a, like a high schooler or a middle schooler thing, like I'm not ready for that. How can I do anything about any of this? Or maybe you thought it was important to only care about like certain injustices, the ones that directly affect you or directly affect someone next to you. Maybe today is the day that we start changing our idea about how injustice impacts all of us. To start rethinking how you think about what you can do personally in response to all of it. And the second step, and I think this one's a really big one, is we need to change the questions that we're asking. Instead of asking, where is God? Ask, where am I? Where am I in all of this?" Maybe the next step for you is to choose to be a part of what God is actually doing in the world, to ask God to begin to show you where your place is in all of this, where your place is in working toward justice in your community or your school, your family, in the world around you as a whole. And once you've, you've taken these steps, I think once we've done these things, it's time, it's time for us to find a way to actually fight the injustice. Like, what do, you, what do you see every single day that breaks your heart? And if you don't have anything, you're not looking hard enough. Like, step up, serve, give your time, give your energy, and give your money. Take the skills, the personality, the, the resources that God's gifted you, that he's given to you, and find ways to use them to actually help the people around you, to help bring justice to the injustices that God has shown you already? Who is working to fight injustice in that area? And how can you partner with them? How can you do something to help? Like over and over and over again, we can see that the Bible teaches us that God cares really, really, really deeply about injustice. And he wants to use us to do something about it. This means that his people should be known for being people who do something about injustice. Just imagine with me for a second. Just envision this world where this church, where this ministry, this student ministry, this this tribe became known as a group of people who are the most compassionate people that everyone knows, the most kind, the most just, the most resilient, the first ones to always speak up, the first to stand up for others that are experiencing injustice every single day. Imagine the positive impact on our community, our schools, our families, and our world. Imagine the opportunities that we would have to show people that God is for them. And for helping those who are experiencing injustice. We're not doing small groups tonight. um, But one thing that I want you to think about as we go forward into this week, into this evening. Is think about what if all of this were true for your group of friends. What if this were all true for the people that you're around? What if the the Christians at your school or in your community were the most compassionate and kind and brave and vocal about injustice? How might that change the way that people actually see God? Maybe if we stepped up and did something, people would quit asking, where is God? Imagine if the people you know were more willing to believe God is doing something when it comes to injustice because they saw you doing something about it. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for this time that we all get to have together. I just pray that as we go forward, Lord, that you'll walk with us hand in hand, To see the injustices in the world and not just see them, but to actually do something. And not do something for our name or for making us look good, but do something because we actually care and it's because it's what you want. I pray that each and every person in this room would see something around them that breaks their heart and would act and they'd do something. I pray that as we go forward, that we wouldn't be scared, but we'd have courage, that we would move forward into this calling that you already have for us, and we would move forward in this plan that you've already started, and we'd become the big C church together, that it wouldn't just be our individual battles, but we would do it all together, Lord, as a body, just the way that you intended. I just pray that we have a good time for the rest of the night. And that each and every person in here knows how loved they truly are. It's in your name that. We